Welcome to Rosy Conversations. We have vibrant conversations on cultural, social, political, and health issues that help to inspire and create courageous participation within females and bring forth change. We want to empower and create change agents, movers and shakers, visionaries, disruptors, and new female voices for change and equality. We're here to find new and inspiring ways for the feminine to shape the world today. We welcome you to listen and we hope you have your own rosy conversations. Welcome to another Rosie Conversation. My co-host Pola and I, also known as the Rosies, would like to welcome you to the conversation. Hey guys, we're super excited to have you here as we love having you guys tune in every week or every day. <laughs> we're super excited about today's conversation because it's something we feel like everyone benefits from, not just women, even though we are dedicated to empowering the female voice. So Telsey's take it away. So we have a special guest for today's conversation. She's a mindfulness coach with over 10 years of experience introducing companies and individuals to mindfulness. She's here to talk to us about finding mindfulness in these trying times. I'd like to welcome her to the conversation, mom of two, wife, triathlete, a close personal friend to me, and mindfulness coach, Christiana Surley. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Welcome, welcome. So. I, you and I talk on a regular basis, but tell us a bit about where you are right now and how different life has been for you through the last couple of months. Oh my gosh. So I am actually up in the Northeast in Maine right now with my family and I've been working remotely from here. My husband has been too, and we've just been really reconnecting with nature and enjoying seeing seasons again. It's been really beautiful. If you guys follow her on Instagram or Facebook, like it's just jealousy inducing to see some of the stuff she's doing she's like naming fairies you know at the base of like a massive tree with her kids it's actually fantastic <laughs> yeah it's been it's been a really nice experience I grew up in Ohio but I've been in Miami I guess about 12 years now and so I'd forgotten what living seasonally was like so it's been really nice and especially to see my kids see that as well yeah we're um i mean honestly you know telsis and i also live in miami but we're we're so lucky to be in such natural places like just that connection to nature is is already such an incredible first step to you know feeling better more you know wellness focused so we sometimes say take that for granted down here. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm super excited to meet you because I've never met you before. So, um, and, and a lot of the conversations and the topics we're gonna cover are, you know, close to me because I think everyone is trying to look for a way to be a little less stressed out right now. There's uh, quite a lot of things happening in the world that are overstimulating and stressful and, and can be triggering. Um, so, you know, I, personally have tried not just during this pandemic period but also in in my own life um i've tried you know meditating i've tried getting in there i've tried you know tuning things out i've i've tried so many different kinds of meditation practices mindfulness journeys guided meditation you know gongs and sound bowls and, and all of the chakras and all the things and i just can't 
shut my brain off. I just can't. I mean, it feels really great to like sit down and not look at my phone for, you know, 20 minutes. And it feels awesome to just like mute everything and, and chill out for sure. But like, what would you recommend for someone like me who, especially right now, like genuinely can't shut off their brain, but also, you know, who might be good at it, but right now is just not having a good time in their life, whether it's like financially or health or they're just not finding the motivation. Like, what would you recommend? Please help us. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I first want to say, I, I don't think that you are alone in any of the experience that you are having. This is definitely a time in the world that none of us have experienced. And I think the first thing I want to say is, you know, mindfulness and meditation are not the same thing. So mindfulness is more of a lifestyle. It's about being aware and present for whatever you're doing in that moment. So a lot of our stress is caused by either worrying about a future that hasn't happened yet, which we're all worried about that right now, right? We don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic, with the election, with all of these things going on. But when you really think about it, we never knew what was going to happen tomorrow. We never even knew it was going to happen in five minutes. It's just a little bit more obvious to us now, given all that's going on in the world. So a lot of our stress is caused by that worry of an unknown future, which we can't control. And a lot of our stress is also caused by ruminating on things that happened in the past that we also can't control. So mindfulness is about connecting the mind with the body. So bringing that mind into the present and also your body. We're all sitting here on this podcast, but our minds might be thinking and worrying about something else. So mindfulness allows us to connect and be in the present moment, which is the only moment we have control over. So as far as those who are new to the practice, or it sounds like you, Pola, have tried a lot of different things, which I know many of us probably have, I think a great way to start is to, first of all, we have to think of this as a part of our self-care. We have to get over this idea that the world needs us so much that we can't take any time for ourselves. So that's first. I'm sure most of you, if not all, have been on an airplane before and we always hear, put your oxygen mask on first before assisting other customers. If you don't put your own oxygen mask on first and the air pressure goes down, you're not going to be able to take care of anyone else around you. So thinking of self-care is not selfish. It's actually the best thing that you can do for the people that you love. So that's the first thing. And then as far as like starting with this, start really small. So one practice I like to recommend is called a three breath practice. And literally you could put a reminder in your phone for one time a day, whenever it pings, you stop and you take three breaths. So we can walk through that now. I'm sure we've all had a lot going on today. So I want you both. And if you're listening, as long as you're not driving or doing anything unsafe, you can <laughs> do this as well. Just stop, put everything down, and close your eyes and just take three breaths. So one breath in and out, and you can sigh out however you want. <sighs> Breathe in and out <sighs> and breathe in and out. <sighs> 
And that's just, as you open your eyes, kind of notice potentially how you've given your mind a break from whatever it was sort of circling around. Maybe notice your body might feel a little bit different, but just you've given yourself some space. And so that's a quick, easy practice to kind of reset that you can do any time of the day, no matter where you are. So I don't know if that, if you had any response to that, Paula, that you felt anything different or <laughs> if you tried that before. It, it definitely felt delicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, it feels, it feels great. I, I mean, I think, um, at least for me, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes too, uh, it might seem like a little too big and a little too difficult and a little too out there for, for a lot of people. And so it's great to hear kind of exercises like that, that remind us that it like, it really isn't that, you know, unaccessible for you. Like you don't need the app. You don't need like, you know, to sign up for like crazy seminars and all that stuff. Like you can simply just do something like that which is yeah. so powerful in its simplicity. So mm -hmm. yeah, but thank you. Yeah, something as easy as a three breath practice. And so that that's actually gives a great segue to, to my question was, is um, just even using that three breath practice, like how would you evolve your meditation practice? What is, and what would you say, I know you work with a lot of clients and organizations and what are some maybe case studies that you can share about how people have um, it's helped them through the course of their life or it's helped them to manifest something or, you know, I'm interested to hear how you've been able to coach mindfulness, your meditation and meditation um, with your clients. Yeah, so it's been really interesting, especially in the last, I guess, since March, I've had a lot of people approach me wanting one-on-one -on -one coaching and I usually do more group work. And I think that's interesting because we're all realizing we're all a collective, but we're on an individual journey and we all have unique challenges. And so what I've found is an approach to mindfulness and to meditation is unique to each individual. But that being said, I always recommend starting off small. So starting off with that three breath practice, maybe doing that in the morning when you first wake up an easy way to incorporate that, you know, you don't have to stop throughout the day. And then also adding, you know, various points in the day as you sort of advance and progress. And then also doing, you know, a little longer of a practice as you, as you, you know, evolve, you may find that you're able to do a couple minute practice up to five minutes, maybe up to 10. So same as you would with an exercise routine, you're not gonna go and immediately start bench pressing 300 pounds, you're going to start with something small and build up. So it's almost like an exercise, but for the mind. So we're doing mind training here. And as far as examples, I mean, just a few recent ones, I've been coaching a gentleman and he, I think in the first week of coaching, he practiced three times. And when I spoke with him the following week, he shared that he noticed that he was feeling more empathy towards his wife and they had had sort of a challenging relationship in the recent past. 
another gentleman noticed that he wasn't sweating the small stuff as much. He wasn't allowing the small stuff to bother him. He was able to realize that he wasn't empowering his team at work under him as much. And so he was able to say, you know what, these are things that they can do so I can focus on these larger things. Um, a mother that was in one of my classes came in and said that her, I think her daughter was 10 years old at the time, said, you know, mom, you have to stop going to these classes. You know, it's, and, and the mom said, you know, well, why is that? And she goes, well, cause it's making you all calm and weird. Like, and I don't know what to do with this, you know, because the mom was always so stressed and overwhelmed and her daughter picked up on that. And her daughter also picked up on her mom relaxing and letting go a little bit. So just a few examples there of ways that different people have experienced benefits from the practice. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy that her daughter would have that reaction, but that also just shows how we live in a society that equates, you know, uh, work and being busy and anxious is more valuable than, like you said, taking time for ourselves. Um, but that that's amazing. I mean, I, I personally, have seen, you know, friends transform through going through different, you know, mindfulness or meditation practices and 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 that's why I've tried. So it's it's great to know that there is there is a possibility for someone like There's me. There's hope also. for you, Paula. There's hope. <laughs> <laughs> um there is hope. Um but uh tell us about your mindfulness eating uh, approach. Uh Telsis has told me, you know, a lot about what you do, but uh I feel like right now going in, into fall and also in the pandemic, people are a lot more sedentary. They're not moving as much. And people equate, you know, losing weight to having to exercise a lot. But we forget that, you know, what we put into our bodies is like 80% of, of what we put out. Um, so, so, yeah, tell us kind of about how you focus on that and, and, and how we can strengthen that um, physically. Okay, so the first thing about mindful eating is to think of it as more of a life philosophy. So it's not a dietary approach to eating. So it's not keto, it's not paleo, it's not vegetarian, it's not all of these approaches that we've heard about. And so the beginning is to think of your body as a machine. So as a car, for example, you wouldn't put water in your car and expect it to run, right? You would put the proper fuel in the car and the car runs properly. So you wanna think of food as fuel is the first step. Then you, there's a series of questions that you can ask yourself. So when you find yourself on your way to eat something, asking yourself, am I hungry? And just that simple question can really help you decide, okay, do I really need to eat right now? Maybe I'm thirsty, I'm bored, I'm tired, I'm stressed. I know I tend to, you know, when I'm stressed, start eating. You know, maybe I'm sad, maybe there's an emotion behind it. So you might find that when you ask yourself, am I hungry, that the answer is no. And then you can make the appropriate choice for that. You know, if you're tired, maybe you, if you can take a nap, or maybe you need to go for a walk if you're feeling stressed, whatever the case may be, but you don't need to eat in that moment because that's not going to help your real need. Now, you may say, am I hungry? And the answer is yes. Okay, great. So now, how hungry am I? You may find that even though it's quote unquote lunchtime, you're not actually that hungry because you ate a few minutes ago or you ate a big breakfast, whatever the case may be. And so you determine how, what your level of hunger is. 
And then you ask yourself, what do I want? So you might find you want something salty or sweet or whatever, and you choose your food based on that. So it's kind of a, am I hungry? Yes or no. How hungry am I? And then what do I want? And then you make that choice. Now, I think we all inherently understand that an apple has more nutritional value than a piece of cake. That's not to say that you can't say, am I hungry? Yes, I want cake. Okay, great, eat the cake. You know, this, to me, it's important that if you choose to eat that cake, you actually enjoy it. You don't eat it and then 20 minutes later say, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm such a bad person. I ate this cake. I shouldn't have done that. Now I need to go run 20 miles, you know, and make yourself feel guilty about the choice that you made. You chose to eat that. And that's great. The next time you might not choose to eat that. You might choose to eat the apple instead. So it's all about balance. And that's kind of the mindful eating approach that I like to follow. Everybody's mind's like blown. Like, yeah, that's a concept, right? What a thought. Actually think through what you're going to put in your mouth. <laughs> that's awesome. It can be very eye-opening. I mean, I know when I first looked into this, I was like, wait a minute. I don't always eat until I'm extremely full. Like I can eat when I'm feeling comfortable and that's okay. Yeah. And you know, as you start to practice this, you start to see your habits and your patterns and the things that you reach for. And it can be very enlightening. And I think there's also something to be said of, you know, we always just have always heard of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I actually eat five times a day and I eat equal, equally the same meals instead mm -hmm. of just starving myself from one o'clock, which is your typical lunch time, all the way to maybe six, which is your dinner time. That's, all, that's like intermittent fasting almost, but exactly. you know, and so people tend to maybe you overindulge in dinner, right? Because you're so hungry from lunch. And so smaller portions as well, and even just eating till you're full, taking time. I think a lot of us always are rushed, so we eat faster. So we just put in a lot more and then we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so full. Yeah, because you have mm -hmm. to like scarf it down and then run off to the next thing. So mindful eating, yeah. Yeah, That's and then once you, I didn't actually get to the act of eating it, but once you do <laughs> choose what you're going to eat, you know, take a moment, do the stop, you know, stop and look at it. You know, what are the colors? What are the textures? What are the smells? You know, noticing how your body is responding to that, you know, your mouth watering. Like if you visualize right now a lemon and putting that on your tongue, you can like almost taste that sort of sour taste in your mouth. Like your body has physical reactions to, to food. And so noticing those, and then as you actually chew it, noticing the taste as, as you eat it and any response that you have. And a lot of my clients have actually found they eat less because they're, they realize that they're full sooner than they would have had they eaten, you know, rapidly like they usually do. Yeah. And I think also, you know, you, you, people want like every meal to be this like lasagna or like these insane dishes. They want like the most like rich things, but you know, um, uh, I don't know if you know about blue zones, but they're like, you know, the cities in the world where the average people live to be over a hundred. And one of the pillars that all of these, communities share in common they all share like all of those habits in common but one of them is they have mindful thoughtful eating practices and they don't even they're not okay we eat thoughtfully like no they just 
in their culture, they just happen to take eating as a moment of everyone gathering and, and eating slowly and conversing and being aware of what they're putting in their bodies. It's something that's just naturally a part of their culture. But what you see what they eat in their diets are super simple. They're not complicated dishes. They're not like insane five hour roasts, you know, like, and, and they're equally as satisfied because they're taking the time to be aware of all of the ingredients and the fact that they grew those things themselves or, you know, it, it's super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating to look at cultural differences in food and, you know, ours tends to be rush, rush, rush in every area of our life, including food. So Christina, tell us, I know that you have an online live course coming up in the next week, I think. Yeah, in a, in a week called A Road to Mindful Living. Tell us a little bit more about this and um, how was the course conceived? What can people expect to get out of it? Yeah, so A Road to Mindful Living is a course that I actually uh, have been working on for a while, but I hadn't come up with the name of it. And so while I was hiking with my husband probably about a month ago, it sort of came to me that, you know, living mindfully is almost like riding a bicycle. So if you visualize there's two wheels on the bike, which one wheel would be kind of your personal wellness and the other would be what brings you joy. And then the connection point and what holds it all together is the frame, which would be the mindfulness. And so the, the bicycle is what we ride down our road of life. We all have our own road. And Telsius, I know you're a big biker. We, we can't unfortunately control what bumps we hit in the road, but, and we can't control the weather, but we can control how we respond to it and how we move forward. So in the course, it's a four week live course. Each participant will have the opportunity to kind of build their own unique mindful bike, so to speak, metaphorical at least, not going to be getting out the, the bike tools at least, for, at least for this one, maybe one day. Um, but got, each of your like vehicle metaphors down, you got cars, bicycles. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. So yeah, so the bicycle metaphor is the one we're focusing on for this course. Uh, mindful eating will be the car. And, um, and yeah, so helping people build their own mindful life because, you know, we each are on our own path and our own road and we all have different ways of approaching things. And so how can we build mindfulness in no matter what we have going on? So that's a little bit about the course, if anyone's interested. And if somebody wanted to sign up, where would they go to sign up for it? So they would go to my website. Um, it's christianasurlay.com, which I know is hard to spell, but we'll it's put Christiana. That in the show. Yeah, we'll put that in the show now. <laughs> and then it's slash B-Y-O-B for build your own bike. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you, Christiana. You, I mean, such a great conversation and such simple things to take through life. So we really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you both for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope you learn some new tools that will help you get through this personal journey of life that will lift you up and help you create a stronger version of you. To learn more, visit us at Rosie Convos on Instagram or Facebook and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to visit ChristianaSurley.com for more details and course information. We'll make sure to have her information in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and make sure to have more Rosie conversations that help move the female voice forward.